Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Pete Robertson. Hey, how are you? I'm good, Pete. You I'm know, good too. You were just holding your granddaughter. It just makes me smile every oh, time I man. see you with her. Is that not the greatest thing ever? I think might have been the first or second time she's been in the studio, and it was incredible. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> but but she cried when she when you took her. That's never happened before. No. She's always like so just she's such a happy baby I all think, the time, smiling and laughing every time she sees me. And today I made her cry. No, I think now I'm gonna cry. I think it was more that she was just getting over a nap, I think, because she had kind of the nap head. Yeah. And I think that was kind of what it is. I think and she I hasn't seen you for like three weeks. So I saw her last week. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, that's right. So, so how you doing? But Let's only for on. a moment. She probably didn't remember. So your your daughter is going to be in seventh grade. Yes. So how fast did that happen? Um. Well, you know, in the Bible where it says a day is like a thousand years and yeah. a thousand years like a day. Yeah. It was that quick. Yeah. It was that quick. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, it's like God time. Yeah. yeah. It's like, how is that even possible? I, I just remember her taking her out of the hospital and now she's in seventh grade and she's 12 going on 25 and has all the answers remember when you were 12 and you knew everything oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's that transition it's that transition time yeah so she's she's in that i'm gonna i'm starting to develop my independent thinking yep. i'm starting to say you know what i might know a little bit too mom and dad yep. let me express myself oh yeah oh yeah yeah my and kids my kids really did that well did they <laughs> yeah did, did your girls push mom's buttons a lot um i would say yeah they were more yeah, because I was more, you got to remember when my kids were young, all the way up until Austin was 14 years old, I was very strict. And so in our family, you had to overachieve, you had to show up on time or early, you had to go the extra mile no matter what, and you never gave up, you were mentally tough, you were focused, and you were driven. And that was, that was maybe it was, it was dumb in love and properly done. It might've been okay, but I was pretty, I was pretty rigid. You were strict. Huh? I was pretty strict. And so my Did you kids, have a drill sergeant hat or some, yeah, you, you needed one. Yeah, probably. I mean, I was, I mean, I was good dad. I wasn't a bad dad. I mean, I, I loved my kids. I knew I loved them. I was just, I was driven and they were driven. So, but then later they rebel a little bit. You know, so that this is just a caution to people when you're raising kids, <laughs> maybe not be so, so driven. Um, but my kids, though, then started to express themselves. Yeah. In the mid from 12 to 18, for sure. And then I would say they they each one of them have had a little rebellious kind of like, uh-uh, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to have it my own, you know, my own thought. Each one of them worked through that. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think that. Yeah, over time, then now my my son's twenty nine, and now we're like friends. It's just it's weird. I mean, it's you know you're close to your kids at that age. You know, it's just it's different. You know, so yeah, son, it's crazy. But yep, it goes fast. Again, seventh grade, she's already talking about the play, and you know, trying out and auditioning and trying to get a lead role and all that good stuff. So she loves, she loves that. She's got got her class schedule, and she's got two chorus things and two theater things. And she's just, she's excited. She like, she excels when she's on stage. She loves to be the center of attention. Yeah. Well, she's just really good at it. Um, yeah. I don't know why I'm getting this. I'm, I put my 
uh, my recorder. Our phones? Yeah, yeah. On, on Do Not Disturb. Giving away our trade secrets. Yeah. So we use our phones for the video. Yeah. But, uh, all right. Anyway, so. Oh, good. Yeah, but raising kids is fun. And, and tough I, and challenging. But I mean, the goal, the goal obviously is we always want them to be independent. So we want our kids to learn. It doesn't matter what mom and dad think. Doesn't matter how we feel outside of what does God think and what does God feel. And so we want them to be independent in taking everything to God because mom and dad are living in the flesh sometimes, don't we? And so we want them to know that, Hey, I, I'm, you know, humble ourselves. We want to let them know that if we make a mistake or the reason why we're making the decision that we're making decision is because it's in the Bible. This is what God is leading as a family or so forth. But we want them to independent. We want them to learn to do that on their own. We want them to learn to have their own faith. We want them to learn to, you know, it's the, the best thing to hear is when your kids are in the word of God on their own, you have nothing to do with it. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's like, you know, my son calls me back. He's a pastor in, in Oregon and he calls me up uh, last week and he goes, wow, we just got back from a pastor's conference and man, God was just amazing speaking da, 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 and he's just telling me how he's just spending time in the word and done that. And it just, as a parent, you're just like, oh my gosh. I mean, nothing is greater or like you, um, your daughter out of the blue, she's traveling up North by herself, you know, Brianna, my middle jar. And she takes a picture of her screen of how hot it is outside, but off to the right of it, you can see that she's listening to a, to a sermon by, by, by a pastor. And you're like, man, she has no idea how much she just blessed me by <laughs> thinking that because we're seeing this, but she's being filled with the word of God as she's, as she's traveling. So. It's those little That's things. That's really cool. Yeah. Sammy calls me up. She's at a youth camp last week and she calls me up on uh, Thursday night and she's, she's 12, right? And she's like, I'd really opened my eyes to some, some of these things. And she's saying this and she rededicated her life um, to Christ last week and got, she wanted to get baptized again, Yeah. but she didn't get baptized at camp. She waited to, we got back to church oh, Sunday and I got to baptize her on Sunday. That's all pictures. So, yeah. Awesome. So that was, that was super cool. But I, I, and I'm starting to grasp what you're feeling yeah. when they're like doing it on their own. I'm like listening to her talking like, yeah. Oh, she's like, it sounds so grown up and so much. I don't know. It was just how cool really, would it be really to be cool. baptized in the Jordan river? Yeah. You know, we should do that. Yeah. Next June. Yep. June, 2020. I definitely want to do that. We're doing a trip to uh, the footsteps of Moses where we're going to be going to Israel. Um, where you can be baptized in the Jordan river. So if you want to go into that, just go on to log on to riotpodcast.com and get all the information and sign up and do that. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to do that. that. I think that would be just a cool, cool experience. You know, be all, baptized in the same place Jesus got baptized. There's probably some people that are going to be listening to this five years from now. And they're going to be like, what are these guys in good? They already went, you know, this is like 2030. <laughs> and, and what is this? But there's going to be some people that are listening to us all the time. They'll be like, man, do you guys ever stop talking about this show? This yeah. Show? After we go. <laughs> <laughs> June 2024. Yeah. Join us. Yeah. In the Footsteps of Moses tour. It's going to be amazing. Going to be amazing. So what are we going to talk about today, Pete? Um, so today, you know, let me just kind of set it up. So I was talking to a friend of mine and he was wanting to know more about Jehovah Jireh. And he was like, who, about this God of the provider, you know, the, the provider God. 
And so I started sharing with them what I remembered about it, but I realized that maybe I should probably learn a little bit more and give a little bit more depth. So as I started doing that to just to have this conversation with my friend, um, I, a show came out of it. And so here we are. So we're, we're going to call this is what are the different names of God? Now, obviously there's hundreds, if not thousands of names, we're going to kind of give a reason why there's so many different names for God. Um, but I, I just kind of put together maybe, you know, 14 um, that are pretty prominent um, for us today. And so we're just going to talk about them. I mean, a lot of people are probably listeners are probably like, yeah, what are the different names of God? Why are those names like that? And how, what do they mean to us? You know, how could we relate to them? So we're going to kind of go through it and unpack it and have some fun with it. Awesome. Well, let's, let's start with pray, yeah. prayer. Yeah. Uh, Lord, we just, uh, we thank you for this, this opportunity and this time together, Lord. I, as we dive in and learn your different names, I just pray that it draws us closer to you. It gives us a better uh, understanding of who you are uh, th through this study, Lord. And uh, I just ask you to bless this time, bless our listeners. And uh, we give you this podcast now in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. So throughout the Bible, people have given many names to and for our God. Sometimes they were given in response to something God had done in their lives. Other times, they were just to describe who he is. How many names does God actually have, Pete? A lot. A lot. Yeah. If you do a Google search, does Google let you search about God? I did. All right. So you, I didn't. We did. You'll, yeah. You'll, you'll get answers from seven to over a hundred. That inconsistent that inconsistency can cause confusion until you understand what a name really is. A name can be a proper legal name like Pete, Mac, Daddy, Mac Pete Daddy. Robertson. Yep. Or how you address a person, like, uh, you know, what Christine calls Mac Daddy. Yep. Or just a title they bear or a pet nickname or yeah. an attribute. Like Bobalicious. Like Bobalicious, right? Yeah. So in the Bible, we find two names that God decrees of himself. But so if we... I said Bobalicious, people are going to know I'm talking about you. Yeah. If you said Mac Daddy, you know, you're going to be talking about Pete Robertson. That's right. Yeah. So we there there it is. Right. The right. show's over. We, okay. we proved our point. Yep. So <laughs> there's two main names that God decrees on himself, but we find many more names that people have given to him. There are also many names given to God through prophecy and through scripture where God refers to himself with a name. Today, we will unpack 14. That's right, folks, 14 names of God. That's it. There are many, many more, but we chose these 14 that we like the most. This list of names that we will be talking about today will help us experience how majestic God is and how deeply he truly loves yes. us. As we go through these different names of God from Hebrew and scripture, we pray that they bless us and help us want to draw nearer to our God. Yeah. So kind of give it a little context. When we study the Bible, it's and we're trying to find the original or from the word, the beginning, the word in the many, uh, get back there. When we try to find the begin the where the word was first found, we call that the study of our etymology. Um, to get the origin of the word. And that's what we will do today. Etymology is the study of the origin and evolution of words and their meanings. It is the history of tracing its development since its earliest record. So we will go back in the Bible to where it first found and give meaning to it from a biblical context. So whenever you, if you ever hear that word etymology, that's what that is. They're studying it. They're trying to find, you've heard us on the show many times say that, well, where we first find that in the Bible is, and then we'll go ahead and share whatever that verse is. So we understand that, that now we have content. Now we can build on that. Um, if we don't know the original where it first was, then we can't build on context. We don't know 
you know, how, why it was used from the beginning and how it's going to be used today. So, all right, let's go for it. All right. Our first name that we're going to use is, <laughs> we joked earlier, Aloha. <clears throat> L-O-H-A. Well, or, the, or shelt, yeah. short for, we can just say L. Yep. And this can mean a number of things like God uh, is mighty and strong or prominent, as we learn in Nehemiah 917. It says there, they refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God, L, ready for ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them. Yeah, so again, so what you just read was that God was mighty, strong, and prominent. So um, stiffened their neck, and they appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt, but you are a God, L. You are a God, the mighty, the strong, the prominent God, ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding to steadfast love. So that's that's what that word means. So whenever you see that in the original, in Nehemiah 9.17, that's saying L, that's what it's saying. So we don't just see, we see God. That's what we see. But what we should see is that he is mighty, that he is strong, that he's prominent. And there's a little bit different, right? There's a meaning behind the, it is. the original text. That's it. And you can see it again in Psalm 139.19. It says this, Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Oh, God. And there, the word God is L again. Oh, men of blood, depart from me. What other meaning does L have? Oh, wait, that's well, not part of the verse. But no, what no. other meaning does God yeah, does L have? Go back to the Psalms 39, what you said. So, oh, that you would slay the wicked. Oh, mighty God, most powerful. Oh, men of blood, depart from me. So mm. that's, again, it just gives it a little bit more meaning than just saying, oh, God. Now we understand that there's, that's the word. That's the L. That's the original language. It's like language. The power behind it because yep. you're like, it's. I don't know how to just deeper, a deeper meaning. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. So yeah. If, if you ever study the Hebrew for those verses and you see L, now you understand what that verse is actually saying. We just say God, but there's more to it. Um, L is associated with, um, no, wait. What yeah, you're saying? right. You're oh, right. yeah. So no, L appears um, to also mean power and might. So we just talked about mighty. So Genesis 31, 29, it is in my power to do the harm, but the God L of your father, the, the power, the might of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Um, we also see it L is associated with other qualities such as integrity. So in numbers 23, 19, it says God L integrity is not man. So God is different that he should lie or son of man that he should change his mind. He, has he said, and, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So again, so it starts with L. So it's talking about God is integrity. God is not man. He's different. He's, he's totally a different kind of you know, being. So anyway, so anytime that you see the word L, so now you know, there's a little different meanings, his integrity. Um, it means mighty. It's powerful. So we would understand we can replace that if we read the original, like if you studied it, you could replace that and know our God is mighty and powerful. So to us today, that's what we take. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for meeting mighty and powerful and being a God of integrity. That's what we can take from hell. So just so it's clear, I think, because it wasn't clear in my head at first. So if they're reading their Bible, it's going to just say God. Yep. What we're trying to teach is you today, what Hebrews. we're learning today, if you dive into 
uh, what's that word you used? Etymology? Etymology. Etymology. If you dive into it, you're going to find that that word God is, there's many different words. Yep. And here we're talking about the word L. Yeah. You can go to the apps out there called Bible Hub app is what I use a lot. Um, the Blue Letter Blue Bible letter. is another yep. one. Um, where you can actually type in and see it in the original. And then you can look down and it will tell you what it's saying. And that's where you that's where you can study it. So I do this all the time. It's a habit of mine now because I just, that's what I do. But it hasn't always been a habit. But now once I started realizing, whoa, that word really has a lot of meaning to it where we just see it as God, but there's so much more. Hmm. So if I'm, if I'm really wanting to explain things to people as we do all the time and I'm sharing and I want to grow spiritually, wouldn't I want to learn a little bit more about what these words mean? And so the order to do that, you have to go to the original. So especially if I'm going to do a sermon or if I'm going to be doing prep or that way, but since we do this all the time, I'm always going back to that just to really see the original. So I can really give it proper context to what we're saying. It's like taking it from black and white to color. That's you're it. Just, you're adding more yeah, so good. depth to it. Yeah, that's good. You had something about in here about jealousy. Yeah, Deuteronomy 5.9. <clears throat> so it says, you shall not bow down to them to serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. So again, context there um, is the L in that context is saying that God's jealous. So it's not that it's, you know, God does not want us to serve any other God. Right. So it's one of the 10 commandments, I think. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the creator God. He's created us for his purpose. He's created us to love him. And so in Deuteronomy 5, 9, he's saying, Hey, I am a jealous God. I do not want to share with you with anybody else. So he's telling them straight up, don't do that. And then he's also compassionate God, 9, Nehemiah, you want to read that? Nehemiah yeah. 9, 31. Oh, you know, we talked about jealousy. I like I like the compassion one. Yeah. Nehemiah, like you said, 9, 31. Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are gracious and merciful God. Hell, that's it. So, you, it is. so look at the context here. So the root idea is might, it remains, but he's compassionate. So nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them or forsake them. Praise the Lord. For you are gracious and merciful, L. That's it, L. So if they're saying he's gracious and merciful, and then we're using the word God, but it's L. So in context, what is that saying? He's compassionate. Yep. Our God is compassionate. So right there in Nehemiah 9.31, he's telling us, who is God? Well, we know that our God's a jealous God. He's a compassionate God. He's, a, he's an integral God. He's a mighty God. He's a powerful God. So right there in those three, those that word L, when we read it in context, we study it, we can now see who our God is. Praise the Lord. We serve an awesome God that loves us so much that he's jealous. He wants all of us. So good. Yeah. All right. All right. The next name. I love this one. Elohim. Yes. It just, it just sounds cool. Yes. God creator, mighty and strong. This is the plural form of Eloha which accommodates the doctrine of the Trinity. Right. Yeah, it does. So um, we find this in Genesis 17, 7, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout your generations from an everlasting covenant to be Elohim to you and to your offspring after you. So Genesis 17, 7 is talking about he's a creator God. He's a mighty God and a strong God. So Elohim. And then in Jeremiah 31, 33, 
for this is the covenant that I make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their Elohim, their God, and they shall be my people. So again, that word is saying, I am their creator. I am the mighty and strong. So I am their Elohim is what he's telling them. And the bottom line is the Bible's first sentence, the superlative nature of God's power is evident as God, Elohim, speaks the world in existence. So when he says, in the beginning, God, it's that's Elohim. Elohim. Mm. That's the word Elohim. And so that he's saying, in the beginning, I creator, mighty and strong being, created the heavens and the earth. I mean, that's a whole nother show, but isn't that interesting that the first time we, we see God's name, yep. it's, in the, it's in the plural. Yep, Elohim. Yeah. It's not in a singular. That's yeah. really, really cool. So that's where we can take it back to, okay, well, there's the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but there's, I believe, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. I, <laughs> it's I can, another show. <laughs> I could go a whole different direction than that. A so bunch we'll, just, of different we'll shows. leave it there. All right. All right. The next yeah. one, this one brings me, speaking of bringing you back, yeah. this one brings me back to the 80s and, a, and an Amy Grant song. Oh, yeah. Every time I hear this, um, it's El Shaddai. Yeah. You guys know that song. Um, God Almighty, the mighty one of Jacob, speaks to God's ultimate power over all, over everything. Yeah. Where, uh, where can we find these verses? Well, I mean, if you, if you, a kid of the eighties, we grew up in the eighties. So we know, um, El Shaddai was big, you know, big so go song. back and listen yeah. to Amy Grant's yep. song. Yeah, it was really good. Um, but yeah, so El Shaddai is used in Genesis 49, 24 says yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. So that word right there is El Shaddai by the El Shaddai of Jacob from the shepherd uh, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. So uh, what does El Shaddai mean? God Almighty. So let's use it as, as, as God Almighty. So yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of El Shaddai, God Almighty of Jacob. So that's where it's at. The Psalms 132, 2 and 5. How he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob until they find a place for the Lord and dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. So it's used twice there. Hmm. So that mighty one is uh, and vowed to the El Shaddai of Jacob until the place for the Lord and dwelling place for the El Shaddai of Jacob. So he's the God almighty. So he's not just, so what God always told the Israelites, he goes, I am the, the one and true only God. I am the creator God. I'm Yahweh. I'm it. We're going to talk about Yahweh here in a little bit, but I'm it. So here it's in another way of saying, I'm it. El, God Almighty is El Shaddai. Let me see no that. No one greater. No one greater. Yep. All right. The next one is also cool. Uh, Adonai. Yep. Did I say that right? Adonai? Yep. yep. Um, it just means Lord. Genesis 15.2, Judges 6.15. It's used in place of Yahweh, which was thought by the Jews to be too sacred to be uttered by sinful men, which would be all of us. Yeah. In the Old Testament, Yahweh is more often using God's dealings with yeah. people. So they don't even spell it with certain. And I don't know, I should know this, but I don't know at all. But I know they don't use certain count, count uh, um, consonants. consonants. Yeah. So it's Y-H-W-H. There's like no vowels. There's yeah, no vowels at all, only consonants. So that's how it's spelled, Yahweh, and they never didn't even say it. But yeah, go on. So um, he uses it in God's dealings with his people, while Adonai is used more when he deals with the Gentiles. Where can we find these yeah. verses? So again, so instead of saying Yahweh, we're just going to call him Lord. So, but it's saying the same thing. So Lord 
whenever we see Lord in certain parts of the Bible, it's that's that word is Adonai. So it's it's again, it's 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 like, hey, we're referencing Yahweh. Okay, we're you already know when I say Adonai, I'm referencing Yahweh, but we interpret it as Lord. So when we see Lord, it's all cap. Whenever you see the Lord in the Old Testament, it's capitalized. That's most likely Adonai. Hmm. And so whenever you see that and you're studying, that's what you're seeing. So Genesis 15, 2 is the first part of it. It says, but Abraham said, oh, Lord, oh, Adonai, God, what will you give me? For I continue childless in the heirs of my house in Elazir of Damascus. So what Abraham is saying is, I'm not worthy enough to call you Yahweh. Yahweh. I'm humbling myself and I'm saying Adonai is what he's saying there. And Judges in 6.15, Gideon said to him, please Adonai, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest of Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. So again, Gideon is coming to him saying, Lord, I can't even, I'm not even worthy to say it. I'm just going to call you Adonai. Lord, Lord, help me. And so that's what, that's what's being said. So with that, let's talk about Yahweh. Yeah, that leads us right into Yahweh. Again, Lord, capital L-O-R-D, strictly speaking, the only proper name for God, translated in the English Bibles with all capital letters, L-O-R-D again, to distinguish it from Adonai, which yeah. is lowercase, yeah, yeah. capital so, L, lowercase O-R-D. Yes, big key. The revelation of the name is given to Moses, I am who I am in Exodus 3.14. There are many references in the Bible to Yahweh, right? Oh, yeah. So whenever we hear Yehovah, Yehovah, Yahshua, Hamashiach, right? That that whole statement is Yahshua, Yehovah, um, Yahweh. Um, this is the this is the big this is the big one. So whenever we see all caps, L O R D, all caps, we know it's Yahweh. That is Yahweh. So that is what it's being. That's what it's being said. If we see uh, capital L and then lowercase O R D, that is out and I. So every time now that you read, you your, read Bible, your Bible, you're going to see Lord that, two different ways. You're going to know why. You're going to know what that word is. So the the Adonai is more of a humbling way of saying, God, I I'm not you know I'm not your Lord. You're it. I I'm not worthy to speak your name. But if they're coming out and they're saying Yahweh, now that's just that's more of an emphasis. So yes, this name spe specifies an immediacy, a presence. Yahweh is presence, accessible, near to those who call on Him. For deliverance. We also see in Psalms 107, 13, then they cried to the Yahweh in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. So Yahweh, we need help. Lord, help us. And so they're mm. calling it out in desperation. Lord's presence is needed, right? Forgive us. Psalms 25, 11, for your namesake, oh Yahweh, pardon my guilt for its great. So they, again, they're saying the high name in this. They're not asking requests, not humming. They're just basically repenting. God, you're the highest of all. You're you're a more mighty Yahweh, O oh Lord. And then in Psalms 31, 33, it says, For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your namesake, you lead me and guide me. Again, for your namesake, for you, God, my rock, Yahweh, you are higher than all. So you mentioned all capital letters. We find that in Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. So Yahweh is one. It's He's the higher above every other God. There's no other. Daniel 9, 14. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it, brought it upon us. For the Lord, capital all cap, Yahweh our God is righteous in all the works that he has done. And we have not obeyed his voice. So whenever you see it in all caps, you usually are finding like they're trying to make a point that he is above everything. 
you know, whenever you see Laura or Adonai, they're both, they're basically saying, Lord, I'm not worthy. Lord, you are, I'm not even worthy to speak your name. You know, it, there's a different contrast there. But when you see it here as this one, it's like saying, uh-uh, you are supreme. You are above everything. You are, you are the only one. There's a complete difference in their mindset. I may be off here, but here's the sense I just picked up listening to what you just said. It's like Adonai to me, it's almost like you're identifying who God is. Yahweh is you're worshiping him. Yeah, I mean, you're identifying though, but you're identifying him in a way that you're still saying he is supreme. Mm -hmm. But you're saying it in a way that you're not worthy. It's you. You're putting it upon yourself. Like, I want to Adonai, Adonai. It's more endearing, right? Where Yahweh in this, when these points where it's all capped, you're basically saying, I am saying right now that you are above everything. You are more mighty. You are more powerful. You are more everything. I am saying it with a boldness that Yahweh is it, right? It's not, it's not in the enduring way. It's in the like, hey, we're proclaiming. Yahweh, you are greater than all of these armies. Yeah. Yahweh, you are greater than any other. You're one. Oh, so powerful. Different. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to get into some like combinations uh, of names here. So Yahweh or Jehovah can be be used either way. Right. So we could say, oh, so the first one is Jireh, right? Yeah. Yahweh, Jireh, Jehovah. I think I hear, heard it more. More Jehovah. Jehovah, Jehovah yeah. Jireh, right? Yeah. And this just simply means the Lord will provide. The name memorialized by Abraham when God provided the ram to be sacrificed in the place of Isaac. Where is this found? So in Genesis 22, 14. So, so Abraham called the name of that place, the Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, all caps will provide as it said to this day on the Mount of the Jireh, it shall be provided. So when you, when you read the actual, you're seeing the Yahweh Jireh. So, so Abraham is basically saying, Okay, not only are you the, I'm giving you now a name, God, not only are you Yahweh above everything, but you also the God that provides. And what a promise to us. Yeah. You know, it's just something when I was talking to my friend about Jehovah Jireh is, is the power, power behind that is Abraham recognized that he's not the provider of everything. He's not the one, it's not his efforts that are, that are providing anything. So what do we do? We say, God, you're the provider. You're Yahweh. You're you're supreme. You're above everything. And not only that, you're the provider. You're Jehovah Jireh. And it's in you that we trust. It's not in my efforts. It's not in any I'm doing. Abraham recognized and we recognize that he is our provider. You know, it just struck me that there, <clears throat> we may have some listeners that don't know that story. So I just real quick, I just wanted to share. Do it. Go for Basically, it. Abraham, God tells Abraham to take his only son, Isaac, um, well, his only son from his legitimate wife, <laughs> Uh, up on top of the hill to take him up and sacrifice him right and so isaac uh abraham is obedient he takes isaac up he's got him on the the altar or wherever he's got him get him ready got a knife raised ready to sacrifice his son and god provides a, a substitute sacrifice it's a picture of christ honestly, oh, yeah. in the same location where christ is crucified or very close to it. So I just want to give you a picture of what, what he's, what he's saying there. So then Abraham is just so grateful and, and just, I probably humbled and just grateful to God that he comes up with his name, Yahweh or, or Jehovah Jireh. Yeah. I mean, so that's where that's coming from. We'll talk about the powerful, powerful. Well, even more than that provider. So we, the wages of sin is death, right? And who is our Jehovah Jireh to save us from death? Jesus. Jesus. He's the provider. He's go, He's the one that gives us access back into this. Yeah. So good. 
So good. All right. The next one is Jehovah Rapha or yep. Yahweh Rapha. Yep. It means the Lord who heals. Where is this? Yeah, I still love it. So Exodus 15, 26 says, I am Jehovah. I am the one who heals uh, you both in body and soul, in body by preserving from and curing diseases and in soul by parting iniquities. So this is God telling the Israelites, I am the healer. That's what he's telling them. I, I, I heal both your body and your soul. I heal both. Mm. What a promise. Right. Again, this is him telling them. This is the same thing he's telling us. He's telling you, mister. He's telling me. He's telling you, Bob. Listen, I am the one who heals. I heal your body and I heal your soul. And, and come unto me. Trust me. I am Yahweh. I am Yahweh Rapha. So anytime that you're, you're doubting that he can heal you or you're doubting that he could restore you or help you, in any case, to heal the situation that you're in, just say Yahweh, Yahweh Rapha. Yeah. God am my healer. When you're praying for healing, you, you know, maybe you've got somebody that's dealing with a sickness or an, it, it, call them by name. Amen. Yeah. It's, that's, it's powerful. It makes it personal and intimate. So he's, he, he's telling the Israelites this though. I am Jehovah. I am Rapha is what he's telling them. Oh, good. So they, they're like, oh, okay. You're powerful and you're a healer. So he's just, it's this is helping us see the characteristics of God. We're learning who God is by going through this. So good. Yeah. All right. The next one is Yahweh Nisi, the Lord, our banner. Yeah. Where banner is understood to be a rallying place. Yep. The name commemorates the desert victory over the Amalekites in Exodus. Yep. So the word is used here in Exodus 17, 5, and it says, and Moses built an altar and called the name of it the 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 Lord, our banner is uh, the Yahweh banner, Yahweh Nisi, uh, saying a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war and Amalekites from the generations is. So let's give context. So let's just read Exodus 17 to really kind of go through it. Do you have it there? Or do we um, have to look I it? can pull it up real quick. Okay, let's do Exodus 17. Right, Starting in verse one. Yeah. All just, the congregations yeah. of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at, at Repidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt? to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst. So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with some of the elders in Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on a rock at, at Herob, and you will strike the rock and water shall come out of it and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa or Meribah, and Meribah. And because of the quarreling of the people of, the, of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? It's funny, this is kind of an add-on to our, 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 our previous, yeah. <laughs> to a previous episode that yeah. we had talking about the disobedience of, of Moses. Yeah, not listening to him. Not listening. Yeah. So, um, again, so the context is the Lord is my banner. So what he is saying is that the God, the God that we serve is, 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 um, here, right? So we know that, Hey, we need water. 
we are, uh, he just, he just fought our battles. We're in, and we're in desperate need. That was Exodus 17. Yeah, we have to read all the way to the end. Let me read verse okay. 15. So the last, well, the last two verses of, yeah. of the chapter, kind of this is where it talks about the banner. In verse 15, it says, Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner, yeah. saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Yeah. It wraps up that that whole story. So Yahweh Nisa. So he's the one that rallies our rallies us. He's the one that we put our trust in. He's our banner. He's the one that fights our battles. He's the one that defeats the Malachites. He's the one that brings the water. He's the one that does everything. And so this is a big one. Yahweh Nisi, God is our banner. He's the one that stands out in front with the banner and we we follow behind his lead. He's the one that's out in front doing all the heavy lifting. He's the one that's doing all the work. So when we're praying and we're seeking God, we're saying, Yahweh Nisi, go before me. You are my banner. You are the one that def- that, 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 that we can trust in. You're the one that defeats the Malachites. You're the one that defeats the enemies. You're the one that, that, that we swear our allegiance to. You're our banner that goes before. So that's what that's saying in that. That's cool. You see how that can uh, re- yep. reflect in our today's life and seeing our life? Cause we have problems. We need God as our banner. Yeah. You know? All right. That's awesome. This one I haven't heard of before. This was a new one to me. Yahweh Mekadesh. Yep. Or Jehovah Mekadesh. Yep. The Lord who sanctifies makes holy. Yep. God makes it clear that he alone, not the law, can cleanse his people and make them holy. Yep. See, we the reason why we don't hear it too much is because we've substituted with Jesus, right? It's because of Jesus that we are then sanctified. So by believing in Jesus, the sanctification process happens, right? Because now the, the Lord now motivate, you know, sanctified is, is the condition or um, getting us holy. It's it's teaching us to unlearn our bad habits. It's teaching us to through circumstances and trials. It's teaching us. So, it's a process. So, but here it's used before that here in the Old Testament in Leviticus twenty eight. It says, "Keep my statutes and do them." I am the Yahweh Mekadesh. I am the sanctifying holy God who sanctifies you. And in Ezekiel thirty seven twenty eight says, then the nations will know that I am the Yahweh Mekadesh who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. Hmm. So if we are a child of God, as a good parent, he's going to teach us how to live holy. He's going to teach us. That's what he's going to do. And part of that process, part of that journey is our sanctification process. So we know that our God, because he loves us, because he loved Israel, he became Yahweh Mekadesh with him. Because he loves us, he becomes our sanctifying God. And we can trust that he only desires one thing, is that for us to live in peace, for left to have joy inside, and for us to live for him, live in purpose for, his, for the Great Commission. And, and that's, that's it. That's what he's saying. And he's going to sanctify you. Christian, you will go through trials and tribulations. <laughs> you will go through a sanctification press, especially... If like the Israelites, you get off a little bit. If if you have your life and you're living a life for your own self and you're a child of God, there will be a sanctification process. It is what it is. Sorry. Correction. Yep. And it's a love though. It's that's right. We Satan wants us to take it as, oh, he's a bad God. Uh-uh. This is a loving relationship. This is I love you, care for you, Israelites. I love you, careful, care for you, Pete and Bob. I desire that you be holy. I desire that you have the best life yet. You know, and so when we say the best, best is yet to come, what we're saying is, hey, God's going to sanctify you and teach you how to live a life that's pleasing and holy for him. 
And so if you want to have the best is yet to come, you need to allow the spirit of God to sanctify. There you go. Good stuff. Okay, next one. Yahweh Shalom, the Lord our peace, the name given by Gideon to the altar he built after the angel of the Lord assured him he would not die as he thought he would after seeing him. Yeah, Judges 6, 24. So then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord. So Yahweh peace, Shalom, and called it the Shalom is peace that to this day it still stands as Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizurites. And that's a whole nother topic <laughs> in context. But the, the bottom line is even today you go Shalom is what the Israelites yeah. said, right? Shalom when you go, Shalom peace. when you leave, um, peace be with you. Um, you know, um, it's, it's kind of their saying. And so God is our peace. And so if you're ever going through anything in your life and uh, you surrender to God, so I told a story, I think a, a few shows ago that, um, I was, I was on a call with somebody and I was getting upset because there was this context and they were, that was on for two hours and they weren't saying anything I wanted them to say. And I started getting a little bit impatient, started getting him a little bit upset and all this stuff. And all of a sudden I just surrendered to God in the middle of it, actually three quarters of it. I, I allowed my flesh to get involved a little bit more. And finally God showed something to me and immediately I had Shalom upon my life immediately when I surrendered to God, I just said, God, I'm, I, what am I doing? I just trust you. This is yours. You deal with it. And shalom came upon me. Peace came upon me. And um, that's what we do. When we trust in the Lord, he gives it. That's our God. That's the characteristics of our God. He is shalom. All right. Next one, Yahweh Elohim, Lord God, a combination of God's unique name, Yahweh, and the generic word for God's, signifying that he is the Lord who is God. Yeah. So Almost seems redundant there, but it's like, it's like saying God, God, or Lord, yeah, Lord. Yeah. It's like an extra emphasis. It's like God, God. He's like extra, <laughs> extra powerful. Right. Say it twice. Yeah. So nice. We said it twice. So we've said it before. Elohim, right? Elohim. So Genesis 2, 4, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth uh, when they were created. Um, it also goes towards a divine. So there's a divine nature here. There's an element, Elohim. There's a divine nature. Um, Sometimes it can be used um, as, as talking about a divine being, Elohim, or it can be used as talking about, you have to know Yahweh. It's, there's a difference. We need to know the difference. So whenever you see the capital um, L-O-R-D-G-O-D, that would be Elohim, meaning it's talking about Yahweh. Then there's times when it's Elohim with a E in its lowercase, that would be talking about a divine being, a God, a divine being. So mm -hmm. There's a difference. Um. Genesis 2.4, if you want to know more about that, go to Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser, and he'll go into that in detail. Great book. Genesis 2.4, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when we were created in the day that the all cap Lord God, so Elohim made the earth and the heavens. And in Psalms 59, you, Lord God, all caps of a host, our God of Israel, rouse yourself to punish all the nations, spare. So he is basically overly emphasizing that He's God, God. He's above everything. So Elohim is the word they came up with that. All right. Another new one for me. Yahweh, Yahweh Sidkenu. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but Sid, that's, that's Sid, close. Sid, Sidkenu. Yeah. The Lord, our righteousness. Where do we find this one, Pete? Yeah, I love this because it's, it, um, we are made righteous, righteous in, in, in Christ, right? So yep. it's the righteousness of Christ that, that, uh, that is given to us after we surrender our lives to the Lord. So right living, right? So it's, it's, 
God, Jesus lived a holy, perfect, righteous life, a right living. So here, God is our righteousness, the Lord of our righteousness. So in Jeremiah 33, 16 says, in those days, Judah will be saved uh, around Jerusalem, will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. And so it's telling you right there in Jeremiah 32. So it's saying this city is going to be a right city. Hmm. And, and what is going to be ruled here is the righteousness of God. And so we will live right, we will do right, and so forth. So again, what is God doing? We go back to the sanctifying God, right, Makadesh. So he's, he's going to sanctify us so that we were live righteously. But we now, no long, God no longer sees us as imperfect, but Amen. he sees us as righteous because of Christ. Absolutely incredible, right? All right, what's the next one? Do I have to go on? Yeah, we got a couple more. Yahweh Rohi, the Lord, our shepherd. In Psalm 23, verse 1. I was just thinking, um, going back to Yahweh Mekadesh. Um, yeah, you that, can do that. As I was talking about. So, Which, like, you know, yeah. so talking about the, the, um, the righteousness of God, and ultimately the person, his son, Jesus, who became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. We talked about that. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who known no sin, and that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I just wanted to give the verse. The you know whose favorite verse that is? Who? Aries. Is it? That's his favorite verse. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah, you guys know. So next time you see him or if you get to talk to him, there it is. All right. So now we're talking about Rohi, right? So Psalms 23. Yeah. So Psalms 23. Yes. After David pondered his relationship as a shepherd to his sheep, he realized that was exactly the relationship God had with him. And so he declares, Yahweh Rohi is my shepherd. I shall not want. So God is our shepherd. So what is a shepherd, Bob? We talked about this in John when we covered what is a shepherd? What is a shepherd? He takes care of the flock, protects the flock. God protects us. Yeah. God watches over us. God is our shepherd. And so we are like sheep, right? That fall astray, that run off a cliff. But our God is a good shepherd. And so again, David is telling us that we can trust our God because he's a shepherd. And shepherds take care of their sheep. So what another promise mm. that we have right there. All right. What next one? El Gabor. Yeah. Gibor. Yeah. Just means mighty God. The name describing the Messiah, Jesus Christ. This is a prophetic portion, which we find in Isaiah. Yeah. So this is a little bit different. So when we're saying now mighty God here, remember before we talked about he's mighty, yeah. you know, El. Remember we talked about yeah. he's mighty. So now this is El Gibor. So not only is he mighty God, but we're now describing a different might that is of God. That is the Messiah, right? So Isaiah 9, 6 says, For us, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The one, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, El Gibor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Mm. So it's... Well, it's saying that he's uh, he's he's predicting the the Messiah, but he's saying that he is God. He's above everything. He's the mighty. He's he's Yahweh. And there it is, Isaiah predicting that. This word is also found in Revelations 19:15, where Jesus is described as a powerful and mighty warrior, the Messiah, the mighty God, who will accomplish the destruction of God's enemies and the rule with a rod of iron. So Revelations 19:15 says this. For his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of flurry 
a fury of the wrath of the God, the mighty. Mm. So here it is predicted. That same word is used in Isaiah 9, 6. Here it is in Revelations 19, 15, talking about the Messiah and what he's going to do. You take Isaiah, you take Isaiah 9, 6, and you take Revelation 19, 15. And what is it talking about? For us unto us, a child is born, a son is given. The one, the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the full-on Yahweh, Big God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What did Jesus do? He brought us peace. He brought us shalom. In Jesus, we now can live as righteous and holy as a child of God. Completely takes everything. The word of God, now that we know the, the character of God, who God is, we can take this to heart and claim it in, for ourselves. We can rest upon God's word. We know the character of who God is by his words, by what, the, by what his names are, by what people saw. And so if you're listening to this and you don't know this God, this good God that we just talked about, today's the day you can give your life to the Lord. Why don't you just uh, surrender it and just say, God, forgive me of my sins. Uh, forgive me for what I'm doing. Forgive me for the lifestyle that I've lived. I want you to be my Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I want you to be my Jehovah Shalom, my peace. I want you to be my El Gabar, my mighty God. Lord, I want you to be my Yahweh Rohe, the Lord of my shepherd. I want you to be um, the, the Yahweh Elohim, my Lord God, the one that I can trust. And so if that's you and you, you just want to profess, just say, God, forgive me of my sins. I pray today that you would come into my life as my Lord and personal Savior. I surrender my life. I repent. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again on the third day so that I can now have eternal life, that I can now partake in this peace that we're talking about, that I can have shalom. And, and, I, and I choose today to live with you for the rest of my life. And uh, if you did that, the Bible says all the angels in heaven are rejoicing and we want to rejoice with you. And Bob, how could they get in contact with us so we can get connected with them? That's a great question, Pete. There's so many ways, but I just want to draw your attention to a couple of things. You can go to our social media site, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Hey, did you know Twitter's now X? Anyway, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So you can go to any of our sites and you can also go to our website. You can go to riotpodcast.com. Click on the No God tab and check and check out all the information that we have there for you. We answer so many questions, but if you just have something you can't find, reach out to us. Comment on our Facebook, our YouTube channel, and uh, I mean, we would love to get back to you and love to hear from you, but we, we would love to get back to you and answer those questions. You know, Pete, the show today, just I think it emphasized for me how important it is to not to not read or skim the Bible, kind of like reading a magazine or a newspaper article but to dive in and study. Otherwise, you you know, we see the word God or see the word Lord, and it's just another word, right? We just kind of go over it. There's so much more meaning and depth to, uh, to what the word of God is trying to teach us that I think our English language just doesn't, uh, doesn't do it justice. Yeah. We need to dive in and, and really, I mean, the last example where it shows Isaiah using the same word in yeah. Isaiah and revelation, yeah. it like draws everything yeah. together and gives us so much more meaning yeah. than just kind of skimming over it. I think it's so important to just study your Bibles. Isaiah. Yeah. And that kind of goes with the meditating on God's word. Um, it's meditating on God's word. It means you're actually reading the word in a, in a way that you're really taking in what it's saying in context. And when we take the the names of God and we put it in context, man, it has a whole lot of meaning just saying God. That's right. I mean, look at all the different names that God is associated. That's the character of God. 
And they, then they spell that out throughout the whole Bible. And if we don't see that, then we're not really, it's it, like you said, it, it takes it from black and white to color. That was a perfect way of putting it. So it's, it's, yeah, let the Bible come in color to you by studying yes. it and meditating. On yes. It. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, great show. Be blessed. Have an amazing week, guys. This has been the Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of the Riot Podcast.